So here I am this whole time thinking the Friday 6 o'clock start had something to do with maybe the city or uh, some holiday I don't know about. Right. It's the Leafs wanting more sleep. Legit. They Legit. They want to get to bed earlier in Pittsburgh until they've changed, which is, I mean, amazing if you got that kind of sway with the NHL. Let's bring in Ryan Callahan here. Former NHL or ESPN analyst. Uh, Ryan, were you set in your ways as I was on, on a day, uh, game day where it was, if I'm on the road, it's about eating the rubber chicken, a little ice cream with chocolate sauce, and then in bed at 1.30 and not out of the wrapper till about 4 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock. There's my extra hour that I'm going to lose on Friday, <laughs> yeah. Where were you on? on think, uh, where were you on sleep? Because uh, is, is one hour di- uh, enough for these players today to to capture on a back to back night? I think you nailed it. Uh, I was just like you. <laughs> I was. You're setting your ways. You're setting your routine. I remember whether it was a seven thirty start or a seven o'clock start. I had my exact time that I was closing my eyes, turning the TV off, trying to shut it down. For I was a two hour guy. I know some guys are all the way up to three hours or four hours. And some of the younger guys, when I got older, they said they go home and they they shut it down for four hours. I don't know how you're out of your awake right now. Four hours. I'm like sleep at night, but um, <laughs> coma, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not the same way as you were. I mean, you, you're set in your ways. And I remember early starts, like if it's a six o'clock start, a four o'clock start, like weird start times, I'd have to sit down and, and work it backwards. Right. Like, Okay, so like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to sleep? Well, how am I going to get my two hours of sleep in? So, um, a lot of guys are that way. There's not too many that uh, don't sleep or don't have a very strict routine on game day. Yeah, it's the only way to survive uh, the full season. Um, one of the the interesting teams we've been talking about this season is the the team the Leafs played last, the New York Rangers. You got a lot of experience uh, with that group there. Very interesting team this season. Uh, would not be surprised any range of outcomes from a you know sort of top of the division anywhere down all the way down to the bottom. What are your thoughts on where they are, they're at and the changes they've made to their expectations this year? Yeah, obviously, I think even dating back to I think it's about two years ago now when they they started that kind of rebuild where they sent a letter out to the fans and um, you know they're gonna they're trying to go in a new direction. I think that got fast forward pretty quickly uh, the signing of Panarin. Uh, Zibanejad when he came over and the amount of success they had um, last year, right? So all of a sudden they're like, you know, we're in a we're kind of in a window where we can we can start gearing up and, and trying to win. And in a market like New York and similar to Toronto or those big markets, they're not very patient, right? The fan base with a with a rebuild or, or starting over. So they went out and signed some guys. They got Truba brought Truba in. Um, and, and they look good. I mean, they looked really good. And obviously, the, their goalie's going over to Shusterkin now. Um, you know, I was I was a little bit nervous about that, but the way he started the year, the way he played last year, um, yeah, I don't think they're going to miss a beat there in that. So uh, I, I think you're right, though. It's a kind of an interesting group where you look at it and, and you say, do they do they have enough in their bottom six to to compete through a whole 82 game schedule? Um, you know, if they make the playoffs, can they compete in the playoffs with? with that bottom six. And I guess that's my question mark for them is, you know, is their depth good enough, Um, you know, going out and getting Reeves. And I don't think he does much of a factor there other than, you know, obviously he gets a little bit more ice for guys and the guys are aware that he's on the team, but um, you know, I think a guy like the is a huge signing for them, bringing him in, uh, winning two Stanley cups in Tampa. um, And we all know the way he plays. So, it's an interesting team, and, and I don't think they've gotten off to the start they want either, but you got to remember, you got a new coach there in, in Gerard Gallant where, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit to get used to a system, uh, implementing a new system, getting used to a new coach, that coach getting used to those players and their tendencies and their ways. So um, I'm not going to judge them too much until they're about 10 games in, and then, I'll, then I think you'll get a real picture of what they're going to be and how they're going to play and, and the kind of success they're going to have. And Ryan, a new president and general manager, and uh, quite the statement from their owner, James Dolan, when he let go John Davidson and Jeff Gordon after uh, a few, what, few years. And yeah, I had, I had started hearing thoughts of maybe 
this could be the year we could see Mark Messier finally get in there. And everybody's been wondering, well, why, how, how does Mark Messier not end up being there or being a big part of it? And even Gretzky's name I had heard had ties into the possibility of getting involved with the Rangers in between uh, the, the firing. And then Chris Drury comes in and scoops it all up. And you, you just, like, you wonder now the timing of Chris Drury and, 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 and the impatience of a Dolan. Does, does that match up here? Because I got to think there's a ton of pressure on Chris Drury right now to, to win. Yeah, and I think going back to that, like you said, the the firing of or whatever you want to call it, of it's firing of of Gortz and uh, Davidson. I mean, I was shocked as everybody else was. Right? It seems like they turned a page. They're going in good direction. They had a good team. Uh, pretty quickly, they're they're gone. And um, I always think that Chris Drury was uh, sorry, his little guy running in on me. Uh, no problem. Think, uh, <laughs> Mine's name's Justin. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Chris Drury, I think, was always kind of there to groom into getting into that spot, right, Uh, under Gortz. Um, And knowing Chris very well, you know, I I think he's a perfect man for the job. And and, but as you said, uh, there's there's pressure that comes with being a general manager of the New York Rangers. Right. Um, They want to win and they want to win. Win now, like I stated previously, they're they're not too patient on a rebuild in, in an organization like that. So. It's going to be an interesting mix with, with Dolan and, as you said, his little bit of impatience and, and wanting to win and uh, Drury trying to trying to put this thing in motion where he's not making big moves that he's just trying to make to, to win instantly. Um, so, But I think he's the right guy for it. I mean, he's, he's got the right attitude. He's been around forever. Um, and knowing him personally, he's a, he's a competitive guy. And, um, you know, I, I love that, that they named him the general manager once I, once I saw the other two go, unfortunately. Well, the Rangers situation seemed like one of those things as an outsider that, like, someone's not telling me something. Like, I know the people in the know are talking behind the scenes about what really went down here. There's the Tom Wilson New York Rangers moment. But to your point, the team was headed in the right direction. They had turned things around quicker than they thought. Like, was this really the product of one bad incident that they were unable to deal with? Or was this sort of uh, something that came from a bigger issue with the ownership and management? I think it was a. I think it was a bigger issue. I know. I, I definitely don't think that Tom Wilson incident had anything to you know right. to do with the with with that, and also it didn't have anything to do with you know Chris 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 Drury going out and getting Ryan Reeves. I, I think they had, from what I've heard, they had Reeves on their on their you know on their radar for quite some time, and um, you know I think just it's an easy way to point to that and say that's the reason why that this happened, right? Is is that Ryan or that uh, Wilson incident? So, I think it's uh, I think he's a big pickup where you do protect some guys like Marin and things like that. And I guarantee Wilson does think twice when that happens. But I think this is all just part of the process of, of trying to get tougher, trying to get of a team that uh, grinds a little bit more. And as I mentioned previously, in the bottom six, you know, and I think Goudreau is another guy that they got that that helps out with that. Uh, Drury's Drury also has his hands full with uh, his night uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, top pick, top 10 pick in Kratsov, who yep. has now left and is back in Russia. And this, is, this isn't this is a good thing for the New York Rangers. Uh, not that Kratsov was going to be a, a great player today or tomorrow, but this is a top 10 pick. And what does Drury do now with him? Does, do you just trade him off? Is, what kind of message does Drury have to send here? Yeah, it, it, it's tough too. And you said a top ten pick. I mean, the way the salary cap is, you got to hit on those, right? Uh, you got to hit on those picks and and have them come in and be impact players. Um, but at that entry level deal, just just the way the salary cap is structured, and um, yeah, they're in a tough spot now with him going back home and, and kind of waiting. And I mean, I guess you hear rumors that he's willing to go to Hartford now, and he's not willing. Um, but I think there's definitely going to be a marketplace out there for him. He's a very talented player. Um, obviously coming with a bit of baggage, you can, you can already see that. Uh, so they'll, that'll put up some red flags to different general managers looking at acquiring him. But um, if he's not playing for the New York Rangers in the next you know, year or so, he, you have to move him. I mean, your hands, are, your hands are tied at that point. You have to get some assets back for a, a top 10 pick. Um, like I said, you, you have to hit on those. And if you don't hit on them, 
you know, you better hope you get a return because that's how you that's how you have to build teams now is is through the draft. Um, you know, the, the days of signing big free agents all over the place and building your team that way are over. Um, you know, it's got to be through the draft and through scouting. And so he's in a Drew's in a tough spot there with that one, but uh, I'm sure he'll figure it out um, one way or the other. Either getting him over here and playing, or you know, finding a deal that works out for the organization. Kelly, we had uh, ESPN's John Buchagross on, and he, uh, he we asked him his take on the Leafs, and I believe he said, uh, frauds and chokers. <laughs> so we, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your take on them. That's all right from Booch. Yeah. Do you feel similarly? How do you feel about this iteration of the Leafs team? Any different than what we've seen in the past? Um, you know, I think like everybody else has said, you know, come April, May, I'll make my decision, right? Right. Um, they, they've already shown they're, they're a good regular season team. Um, they, they got t- so much talent throughout that whole lineup. I guess as I look at that team, my big question mark comes down to goaltending at this point. Um, can Jack Campbell, you know, hold that load? Um, you know, I'm not completely convinced on him, to be honest with you, you know, but he's, he's played well at the end of last year. He started this year off well. Obviously, Morazic gets hurt there, but, um, you know, as I look at that team, is, is can goaltending hang in there because, I mean, they are who they are, right? They're they're a team that is high offense. They're going to take take chances. Um, you know, no one's labeled them as a, a defensive juggernaut by any means. And you know, I put them very similar to the skill level of like the Tampa Bay Lightning. But you know, what the difference is there? They realize they they had to play better D, but they still give up a bunch of great A's. But would they have Vasilevsky in that, right? So that that helps you cover up a little bit of those you know those mistakes you make. But for me, I think Toronto's going to. You know, it's a team every year I expect to to make it out of that first round, and for some reason they they can't seem to do it. But uh, I think they have all the pieces to do it. It's just getting out of their way and their own way. And you also look at, like, the Washington Capitals, right? How, how long were they labeled as a team that, that couldn't get out of the second round? And, you know, playoffs came, and they, they weren't good. And, and all of a sudden, um, you know, that year came, that things clicked. They got past the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, which they had so much troubles with, and they ran over us the conference finals when I was with Tampa on the way to win a Stanley cup. So, um, you know, I, I'm not writing them off by any means, but I think like everybody else, they'll, uh, their judgment day will come when the playoffs start. I can understand your thinking when it comes to Jack Campbell, he is turning 30, I think this year. And, and now looking at his first legitimate run as a number one goalie in the NHL. Uh, but it's, if you look at, uh, little recent history there are a few examples where some guys have been able to hit it late and and one guy that comes to mind for me ryan is tim thomas where it's it's not it's not probable that these guys will do it late in their careers but it's not impossible uh you think that's a fair comparison A, a guy like tim thomas what do you remember out of playing against tim thomas yeah, I mean, you're you're 100% correct. I mean, it's it's a completely fair, you know, comparable there. And I remember playing against Tim Thomas, and you know, thinking about this kind of the same thing, like kind of an unknown guy, right? Who who, who is this guy when he was you know playing playing those good years in Boston? I didn't didn't know much about him. wasn't you know a very sought after guy for a while there. So, um, and then he goes on the run. He wins a Stanley Cup with 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 the Boston Bruins. So there's definitely a fair comparison, but. I guess, uh, you know, what makes me worried is you, know, you, you found one comparison and, you know, how many others on the other side of that are guys that are in their 29, 30 years old who, who finally get a starting job that it doesn't work out, right? So um, it's possible. It, it can happen. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's, he's shown of late that he, he can play there. That's just, that's just one guy that makes me, you know, that I'm not convinced on yet if, if, I'm, if I'm just being honest. We won't mention that Tim Thomas also had a six-foot-nine Really good defenseman in front of him. <laughs> that helps too. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, who, who would that be? I don't remember him at all. Um, <laughs> My back does, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, looking at this uh, early start to the season, there's a the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, two-time defending uh, champs, are uh, two and two with a minus five goal differential. Is this sort of a little blip, little Stanley Cup hangover, uh, which we do see, or do you think that maybe this team is not quite as good as the Bolts teams we've seen the past couple seasons? Um, I guess a little bit of both, if if I can if I can say that. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, I think there's a little bit of a hangover. Two long runs, back to back Stanley Cup champs. 
Um, you know, that mindset in the room in a, in a way going to this season is, is probably let's just get the playoffs, right? You know, it's, uh, that's what really matters to them at this point. Um, but on the flip side of that, I mean, they lost some key points, key guys to that lineup. And, you know, specifically that third line of, you know, Yanni Gord, Gaudreau and, and Blake Coleman, um, you know, those years I was there and we didn't, we didn't, we got close, but we didn't win. And then all of a sudden they, they bring in these guys and even both Stanley Cubs, especially the first one, they said that third line was the reason why we won. Right. That's the reason why we, we got over the hump. We had that the depth to our lineup. They brought some grittiness. They brought, brought some energy. Um, so you, you take that out and it's not as good of a team. There's, there's no question. Uh, but with saying that, I mean, they're still pretty stacked, right? So um, arguably the best defenseman in the game and Hedman, best goalie in the game, uh, Vasilevsky. And then, you know, you look at that top six with Kucherov in the lineup. Obviously, he's hurt right now, but um, you could put that top six against anybody in the league, and uh, I bet you they come out on top. So um, I'm not worried about them by any means, but do I think they're as good as a team as they were the last two years minus that third line? Absolutely not. Um, but does that mean they can't make another run? No, I think they definitely can. So uh, I think there's a little bit of combination of both there. So how's your schedule at ESPN? Uh, is uh, Chelly or Mess going to get up and, and let you talk at all, or is Chelly just going to run with it the whole year? Yeah, I'm just going to let him run with it. I'll sit in the back and you know, <laughs> try to look pretty. And <laughs> I got uh, I actually got the game tomorrow night in Buffalo with uh, Butchergrass, so that'll be a lot of fun. They're on a pretty good run right now, good little story. And uh, playing the Boston Bruins, who uh coming off a tough loss there to, to Philly. So um, I'm excited to be at the game and see the fans and, you know, be able to call a game. So it's uh, so far so good. Well, we really appreciate your time here, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, okay. Man. Ryan Callahan, ESPN analyst. And he's got uh, the red hot Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> Don't get can to say can that you much. believe I said that? I, I know. We got uh, we're gonna we're gonna break in a few minutes, but we got Craig Rivet coming up as well, 16 year veteran and now co host of After the Whistle podcast with uh, Andrew Peters, and they're a lot of fun. We'll get into a little bit with him on on Buffalo and and what the heck's going on there. One thing I didn't under I still am I guess not understanding is like the Rangers thing and getting rid of Davidson. I know he explained it to us, but like I yeah. just. It felt like everything was so good. They're beloved. They're turning it around well. Is yeah. there something? Yeah, lack of patience from the owner. He just thought lack that of they, patience. Well, when just, were they supposed to win? He just thought they were better than they they were showing. And then I think the cherry on top was the the Wilson incident with Panarin. And like, how does an owner go into a management office or have an opinion? You can have an opinion, but don't they just tell him, "Hey, you hired me to run the team." Yeah. I know these guys better than you do. Trust me, we're in a good trajectory. We just got Lafreniere and Kako. They're 19 and 20 years old. Pump the brakes. Yeah, just Google uh, James Dolan and, and watch the video. <laughs> all okay, the, all the positive <laughs> and, and articles that. That's fly all up. you need to know about. Uh, uh, the Knicks are fine, right? They're not in. No drama there ever. <laughs> <laughs> Off the court or on it? Oh God, both. You know, uh, before we go to break, uh, you know, he brought up Ryan Reeves a little bit. And I just want to go back. And the one thing about Monday night is when you know Ryan Reeves is dressing. And if you're Kyle Dubas and you went out and got a few guys that you wanted to kind of send a little bit of a different message. Why don't you dress Curtis Gabriel oh, Monday night? Idea. I hate this idea. Why? Like... It if if you can't dress him when Ryan Reeves is on the other bench, then you can't dress him all season long. Well, you dress him when there's no Ryan Reeves, so he can actually intimidate someone. I, oh, what, no, I you know, no, I had no, this. No, I had this. No, no, no. You got like that's not the way it works. And if Ryan Reeves goes and does something stupid out there, and you don't have a guy to to nullify him, you look like an idiot. What you've done is when you when you put Gabriel in and Ryan Reeves on the other bench, you create a separate boxing match. Congre congratulations, everyone, on your two hundred dollar ticket. You get a hockey game and this separate event yeah. that has nothing to do with the hockey game. It's yeah, it, no, it's not true. Me, it's make, not true. When Ryan Reeves doesn't have, have Curtis Gabriel, he's less relevant and he has to play hockey. It's not, but but that's that's on Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves made himself less relevant 
Ryan Reeves could have made a, a huge impact. He could have gone around. He could have talked to a few guys. He could have. He just didn't do his job Monday night. I like that okay? point. Just didn't do his job. Yep. When I know that the, like, I got a freebie and, and there is no uh, Ga uh, mm -hmm. Gabriel on the other side, then that just gave that just gives me a chance. It gives me a free credit card because Ryan Reeves didn't take advantage of it. That's on him. That's I'm, not. That's not based on your theory of just eliminating each other. It, 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 to me, honestly, Kipper, this is a really interesting debate in hockey today. Is you know, I've seen coaches where the other team has a, a couple of tough guys in the lineup, and they go, "Oh, we got to pull this guy out of the press box and put him in the lineup." And it's like, hold on, because they got a tough guy, you're going to make your your roster worse. You're going to dress a worse team. Yeah. So these two guys can go I, have their I, little... I, I just don't understand them. Why Why sign them? You wanted to give a perception by signing Curtis Gabriel. Mm -hmm. So when do you present that? Or is it just, you know, just let them sit there all year long and pretend that you wanted to get tougher or uh, have this perception that you, you really don't want? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. So that's a fair question. Why have them if you don't why? want them? Why? Why did you sign them? When? When he? When do you want to use them? When? When the other team has no tough guys? Maybe that's it. Oh then, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, skate around. Then he can be the, that, the talker. You know what though? By the way, you know what? What's tough for Gabriel? If they call you up and it's Ryan Reeves and on the other side, you're like, you know, okay. Well, this guy's going to punch my head. That's not going to be awesome. And if there's nobody, you're the AHL call up guy who can't run his mouth anyway. Yeah. Everyone owns you. But it's verbally there. There's there's an art to everything on the ice, and it's not just good enough that two guys nod each other and they fight and then they go to the penalty box. No, be an impact out there. Go, go intimidate uh, other people on the ice. Go talk to them. Uh, mm -hmm. Pull people into the fight. Get them. Get them emotionally involved. I want to clarify, okay. by the way, I like what Gabriel does. I think he's good at that. I think he's I, energy I, every shift. I, 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 I liked he, a few uh, exhibition games that yeah. he played. I, like, like I not, not a useless guy at all. It's just, by any stretch. it's just Gabriel gives the Leafs a feel like they haven't had in the f last few years. To me, if you're going to have someone on the fourth line who's doing nothing anyway, like Amadio, it might as well be Gabriel who's going to move the needle. Thank you. And I just, I just, I'm wondering, uh, like, if if you can't do it when when there is a guy that has that reputation on the other bench, then you tell me when you're going to play him or when you're, we're going to see the side of the, the new Leafs that are a little harder to play against because that's the perception you wanted to give us when you signed Curtis Gabriel is that we're going to be a little tougher to play against. Well, then use it. He's also very much fits with the start of the show, Kipper, our philosophical discussion about people. And the organization building people and wanting right. better people, he's been very yes. forward and progressive on a lot of uh, issues. 100%. And I wonder if part of developing people is another yes. reason no, no, why no. they if want we him here. Develop people, and if we win, it's just a bonus. <laughs> well, I don't think that's the point. <laughs> but I, I get what's being implied. But yes. do, do the Leafs lead the league in good people? Because it's not championships right now in the last fifty-four years. I bet they. You know. You know what Toronto loved the the Blue Jays team that was pure villains, <laughs> Batista and Donaldson and you know Tulo. Like the city loved them. All right, we got Craig Reve after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Can you believe we're what? Three, four games into the season, and we're actually going to have a decent conversation about the Buffalo Sabres and not start with what's going on with Jack Eichel. I know. <laughs> the, the negativity around the organization has been swirling, but we are here with rainbows and sunshine and positivity. Okay, they, they beat who? Arizona? Montreal? So two, two teams out. We don't expect anything from this year. Canucks. And Vancouver. Now, Vancouver... And only times, beat who you play, Kipper. Vancouver's kind of struggling, too, the last little while. But, Craig, never critique a, a win. Craig Reve, everybody. How are we doing, gentlemen? So, what's going on now? You got this great, hot, new podcast, After the Whistle. Yeah. 
You didn't want yeah, to go with after the buzzer because that's when the real action starts. <laughs> <In> the party <laughs> life. It's not after the whistle. It's after the final buzzer. <laughs> well, you you know as well as I do that after the whistle, after the buzzer, it it uh, you could talk about a lot of things that happen after that. You know, whether you're going out to the, for a few cocktails after the game or you're uh, in the in the fisticuffs, you you name it. There's a lot that happens, but. Uh, Super excited. Andrew Peters and I uh, have decided, uh, you know, just a couple months ago that we're going to start a podcast. Um, and uh, our first couple episodes have come out already. And it's been awesome. After with those, uh, it's, uh, it, it's exciting. Well, and, and you've got the Buffalo Sabres to thank for that because uh, they're, they're selling themselves now. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I think I'm probably, and everybody here in Buffalo is uh, probably the most surprised out of anybody. Um, a really young team, uh, a lot of great players, but it's it's a transition. There's a true transition. Kevin Adams made some major, major moves in the offseason, trading away, um, you know, a star player in Sam Reinhart and Rasmus Ristolainen, longtime defenseman here. And now, uh, you know, having uh, the situation with Jack Eichel, who is uh, who's still on the shelf with his neck injury, and, you know, they, they stripped him of his seat, and it's very apparent that they're going in a different direction. So how is the general Buffalo public feeling about Jack Eichel right now? Like, is there resentment, anger, frustration, or is it pity? Where, where is the temperature in the city on Eichel? I think it it really is a flip-flop. You're you're sitting on a teeter-totter here in Buffalo. I think there's some people that are extremely ticked off that, uh, you know, the Sabres are so-called, you know, keeping Jack out and not allowing him to do uh, the surgery of his choice. But then there's the other side. It's the other 50% that are saying, you know, listen, uh, we we uh, we trust uh, the Sabres and, and the direction that they're trying to go. And, you know, hopefully something can happen with Jack Eichel. He is a world-class player, um, one of the best in the National Hockey League, and I hope that he can uh, he can get healthy, get back in this league, and uh, you know, play in front of play in front of their fans. Does a a good start for the Sabers help the situation? Hurt the situation? Uh, who who gets the upper hand here? Uh, it, in, in, are you talking in regards to Jack Eichel or something? Yes, I'm just saying, is there is there less pressure on Kevin Adams with a good start to do something with Jack? Would would a bad start force him to make a quicker decision? How does the how does the start you think affect this situation? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I think Kevin Adams is a little different than some of the GMs that we've had in the past. Um, the GMs in the past have just been basically throwing band-aids all over the place and hoping that that's going to stop the bleeding. Um, Kevin Adams has made a choice. He's made a choice. He's identified that things need to change in the locker room and the environment. He's made some really big, bold decisions by moving out Sam Reinhart, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, and now Jack Eichel is going to be probably very uh, soon to follow. I don't think Kevin Adams has any pressure. I think the pressure is um, for him to go to work every day and, and try and make this team better. Um, and I think the fan base right now with the last 10 years of not making the playoffs, this is not a happy fan base. But I'm going to tell you this. They're happy with the direction of, of what's happening right now. You can see a different product. There's not a lot of household names playing for the Sabres right now. There's a lot of youthful hockey players, the, the Rasmus Dahlin, the, the Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson. These guys are the future of, of Buffalo, and they've really performed quite well in their first three games. So when I look at this roster, uh, you know, this is not in any of these players. This is on me, but there are some names I'm not overly familiar with, whether it's Rasmus Asplund or R2 Ristolainen or Jacob Bryson. It's not a, a lineup that, you know, that I'm – Fully up on everyone. Who are some players in here that are better than I think or better than I know or I should be like, keep an eye on this kid. He's, he's worth watching on Buffalo. Well, listen, I mean, they, they have a little bit of a, a you know, a different makeup. Um, they have some, some veteran leadership, guys like Zemgis Gergensen, 
Kyle Oposo has been probably, for me, the biggest eye-opener. I mean, he has been absolutely fantastic. Jeff Skinner um, has found his game, and you can see Jeff Skinner's got a smile on his face for the first time in about three years um, because it wasn't a great experience under the last head coach. Um, we have some players that Kevin Adams brought in, guys like Vinny Henestrosa, who's a good hockey player, but just quite hasn't found his spot yet in the National Hockey League. You could say the same thing about Will Butcher and maybe uh, a Drake Kujula. And these guys are not household names, but they're really hungry and they're happy to be in Buffalo and to get an opportunity to play and establish themselves as NHL players. And then there's the other side, the young guys, the Dahlins, the Cousins, the Henry Yokiharus, the Middlestats, the Thompsons. These guys are the future of, of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so it's, it's an interesting makeup. So you're telling me that Buffalo fans can actually forget that Jeff Skinner makes $9 million a year and I think he's got five or six years left on that deal. It's it's beyond that because we're in a market where every game, uh, whether it's Marner or Matthews or Tavares, are reminded how much money they make. Yep. Uh, listen, I mean, it's without question one of the worst contracts in the National Hockey League, bar none. I don't care if he scores 30 or 40 goals. It's still a terrible contract because, I mean, you know, Kipper, you played this game so long that, you know, it's not just about scoring goals if you want to be successful. It's about all the little things that you do to create and make your, your, your teammates around you better and uh, to be a harder player to play against. And Jeff Skinner has been a really strong goal scorer in the National Hockey League for year, years, but you need to realize he's never made the playoffs. Okay? Yeah. He hasn't made the playoffs because there's holes in his game um, that, you know, quite frankly, he, he doesn't help in, in ways that are going to help you win hockey games. But he is going to score goals. He is an offensive guy. But it's not a great contract. Um, and that's something that they'll have to navigate uh, through in the next number of years. So is Rasmus Dahlin taking steps? Or, or does he look like a guy who can be a number one D after being the number one overall pick? I know he uh, just about won the green jacket last year. But that happens when you're on a team that's not very good. So I don't necessarily fault him. Well, listen, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think Rasmus Dahlin is his, his skill level is absolutely off the chart. Right. Like, I mean, elite, elite, his offensive ability, his ability to move the puck up the ice. Um, but there's still areas. He's still 21 years old and there's a lot of game for him to continue to get better. Um, the defensive part of games, you want this guy to be able to be on the ice 25 minutes a night in all key situations. He's building towards that. Not quite there yet, but he's definitely building towards that. He's a fantastic player. Um, but I will say this. Like, you have a, you have a Kale McCarr or a Miro Heiskanen or players like that that are having success on their current teams. Well, guess what? It's not the Buffalo Sabres. Right. The Buffalo Sabres are a struggling team that's trying to find uh, and building through the draft, and those teams are more established hockey teams. And Drasmus Dahlin, if you stuck him on one of those teams, he would be absolutely light out because he would be supported by a much stronger uh, cast of uh, players on, on those teams. Craig, you know teams are built down the center of the ice. Uh from the net on out, it's got to be the middle of the ice. And that, and without Jack Eichel in the middle, that's where it gets really tricky. Uh, does a centerman have to come back for Eichel? Uh, Dylan Cousins, I guess, Thompson, good players, but are we talking about guys that can forget about, make, make people forget about Jack Eichel? Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really tricky situation for the Sabers to be in because Jack Eichel um, is a top five, top seven centerman in the National Hockey League. He is dynamic beyond dynamic. He's a game changing hockey player, and you have to get the value back. You cannot trade Jack for seventy percent on the dollar right now because he has a neck injury. And this is a really tricky situation because if Jack was healthy, 
you would have 20 teams in the National Hockey League making phone calls to Kevin Adams every day. But right now, Jack is not healthy. And, and once that, um, once they can figure out how that is going to happen, Jack's value is going to go through the roof. But I do believe if they do trade him and they send this headache someplace else to another team and that team allows Jack to do his um, disreplacement surgery, the one that Jack would like to do, then you have to get, uh, I would say, an elite young centerman back. I think it's very, very important. I, I got the trade. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. No, it's, good, it's, I, it's my personal. It's not. Right. No, not no, 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 I know. Okay, okay, <laughs> no, okay. I know. I don't want. You know how Twitter works, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't have the trade. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw something out for you guys. Okay. I think the team out there that should trade for Jack Eichel, the New Jersey Devils. I can see it. I'm watching Jack Hughes go down with a dislocated shoulder. They, they're too small up the middle. With between Jack, okay, so with Jack, and what are we Hischer. getting back? Nico Hisher. You could build it around Nico Hisher. I know they just signed is him. The, is that the only piece? No, no. It, there, there'd have to be some components there, but he is the centerpiece on that trade. He's a centerman. He's locked in on a long-term deal at a uh, little over seven million dollars, which could fit into the payroll for the Buffalo Sabers. That's that's a type of trade I, I, I can see. And, and Jack, New Jersey needs some more size to play behind Jack Hughes. And I think Eichel can do that. But I, I, I think New Jersey's a team that could, could be in play for, for Eichel. Is Hisher Very enough for interesting. you? Um, there would definitely need to be something that's coming back beyond uh, Nico Hisher. He's a great hockey player. He's still a really young young guy. I don't really even think he's hit his stride in the NHL, but I agree. he's a really interesting player for sure. And, and one that could make Buffalo fans feel like they're getting something back. This is a top pick in the National Hockey League with tremendous upside. He was, I think he was, yes, he was number one overall, was he not? In mm-hmm. I, I, I think what, you could 17? sell Yeah, I think you could sell that to Buffalo fans. Certainly doesn't hurt. And I can think you can sell it to New Jersey who just continue to get pummeled up the middle of the ice with two smaller guys and Nico Hischer and Jack Hughes. I don't think you can you can build a championship with those guys one two. You need more size. What about uh, Columbus and like Yegor Chinnikov and Cole Sillinger and you know like Columbus wants to bring in guys who won't necessarily choose to play there. I don't know. Uh, Craig, do you need one great kind of star name or can you do this with three solid names? I would uh, me, I'm looking for quality over quantity. That's just my my thinking when you're talking about Jack Eichel. I think that there needs to be probably um, three pieces to this trade, and one of them is going to be a household uh, whopper, and it, and he's going to be and he's going to be on the younger side. All right. So I mean, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you, you know, you need to understand we're, we're, it's a very tricky situation because Jack Eichel is injured right now. But if he was not injured, he's a top 10 player in the world. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you know, looking at this uh, Sabres team, uh, they're obviously in the Leafs division. We're a Leafs show. We've been getting everyone's perspective on this uh, on this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, I like to bring up that Bouchagras called them uh, chokers and frauds. Where do you stand on the Toronto Maple Leafs front? What, what kind of team are we dealing with up here? Uh, I don't, uh, certainly not going to call them choker and, and uh, frauds. I think this is a really, really, really exciting hockey team. I think Toronto fans, you know, they, they have some young guys, okay, that are elite um, hockey players that just not, they haven't found a way. And, and, and sometimes learning to win is very important. And uh, when you do lose games that hurt, I think you learn from those experiences. I think that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a really, really good hockey team. They have some fantastic players. You know, you just go through the line of, you know, 
Austin Matthews and Nylander and Mitch Marner and Tavares and Kierfoot, and you can just keep going down the line. Morgan Riley, this is a really, really good hockey team, and they, they will figure it out. Um, they will figure it out. They're going to be a very dangerous team all year long. So um, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, will be in uh, good standing at the end of the year. Hey, Craig, we had uh, Ryan Callan, Callahan on earlier today, and the Leafs are starting a 6 o'clock game tomorrow night. And I, I said, that would totally screw up my day routine. I, I lose an hour off of the, the, the rubber chicken and the ice cream and, and chocolate sauce. That would throw me right off. How about you? How are you supposed to have your three-hour nap uh, before, the, <laughs> before the game? You know, like, we're like, we're like bears. We go to our pregame skate. We come back to the hotel. We have a nice big spread of food. You're like a bear. You got your bellies hanging out. And you go and hibernate for three hours and then get up. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the six. You are. We are sure. bears. That's a good one. Absolutely bears. Hey, thanks for doing this. Say hi to my buddy Petey. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. But uh, it was uh, it was great. Great to talk to you guys. You take guests, it. You take guests on the After the Whistle podcast. I'm going to tell you, you're we're just starting this, and and, and you're you're like a whale. Like we have to go through <laughs> all your your producers, and you know. But yes, we'd love to have you on, and right. uh, love chatting hockey. Anytime, guys. All right, Craig Reve, everybody. Nice stuff. Good to get to talk about the Buffalo Sabres in, in a positive light. You know, I Eichel think so. Stuff, the Eichel stuff's hard, but. And in this market, Let, we, we, we need Buffalo to be good. We this, need to hate I love Buffalo. The city, but Buffalo I li- needs to hate us. <laughs> right. And you got to be good enough. Right. To, it's Toronto Buffalo. Great rivalry over the years. Yeah. I, I love Buffalo and I love Sabres fans. I would love for them to be good. It has been too long because, man, it would be fun, wouldn't it? Feeling sorry for them just That's not sucks. Right. That's not right. Just sucks. We want to hate them, not feel sorry for them. Right. Sports hates is a really good thing. Kutki and Emmy tonight in Montreal. I was kind of listening to the guys last night on the telecast. Uh, they did uh, Boston and Philadelphia, and Elliot mentioned that maybe there might be some extra incentive to for Montreal to win. I don't see <laughs> I saw, it. I saw your facial Sorry, expression Sorry, there. I, I don't see it at all. I think half the Montreal Canadian teams are looking at Kaki and Emmy going, you lucky bastard, man. How did you, <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did you manage to get out of this hell hole? Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, if, if there's not some, uh, some pride on the line here, some... It's embarrassing to go to lose like they've been losing to to be down o o three and then get spanked by the sharks at home. Like there's enough going on in that dressing room. I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of give a darn on the uh, on the side of Montreal with Kakinyemi. I bet you Kakinyemi cares a whole bunch. So I bet you there's what? How much money's on the board for him tonight? Thousand bucks? No, he's making six sheets. It's probably I don't know five five grand. Yeah, like there's real money on the board tonight. At six one, it should be five. Easy. Yeah. Now, do you buy the theory that there's a, a contract all but signed, sealed, and delivered for Kaki and Emmy in Carolina that this would this would be beyond a 6-1 in the first year? Because yeah. I can tell there, you there's so many there's so many elements to, to say that no, that's not the case. It's not the case. I know it's not the case. Okay, tell us why. Because Carolina was terrified of what the NHL was going to do. They were afraid, I think, of, of being seen as a team um, that was tampering. It's not really clear what the rules are about, you know, everyone says there's a contract in the drawer. It's worth this. There's no contract. They don't, they don't want to mess with the NHL and being seen as, you know, the offer sheet rules. You're not allowed to do that. That's not how the package deal works. So, uh, right now, they have, my understanding as of very recently, they have not even discussed any sort of extension. See, I, I, I call BS on on no discussion. I with would, with I, him, I bet there's internal I, I, discussion. Yes, 100%. There yeah. would be some talk about if if we uh, when's he eligible to sign? January or yes. July? I think it's January I, I 1st. I think it's the new year, yeah. I think it's the new year. So if we wanted to sign a two- or three-year deal... What what do you think the parameters would be today? It's almost better right. for them 
if he has just an okay start and they say, look, we gave you the six, you know you're not worth six, right? Let's do three years at $4 million. Well, what happens if he came out and lit it on fire and it's like, yeah, I'm, no, not uh, $4 million. Yeah, I'm my, just, I'm, I'm proving I'm a six guy. Yeah. So there's so many elements. And here's the biggest one that people don't ever discuss when they think that there's always something in the drawer is... Like, what happens if the guy gets hurt? Yeah. You don't, You've agreed to something. Well, do you, you don't, remember? You, don't, you, you can't honor it. You can't, yeah. you, can't, you can't pull it out. You can't show everybody that you had a, an agreement. So there's always the risk. There's always an element of risk that, that if, if he was to get hurt, there would be no, there'd be no contract no. in the drawer. You know, I remember the Kevin LeBanc situation with San Jose. They were up against the cap. This is a couple of years ago. He's like a young guy. He had a great year, like really deserved a lot of money based on his comparables at the time. But he signed a one-year, $1 million deal. And everyone said it was it was to keep them cap compliant and keep everyone there. But, uh, you know, a contract's in the drawer. A contract's in the drawer. And then he had went out and had a terrible season. And, you know, he, he didn't make any money. And it was not, you know, the contract in the drawer thing cannot be true. And surely no player is agreeing to a contract in the drawer. Like if I'm LeBanc, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're up against the cap and you have to move someone. Uh, but uh, it doesn't mean I'm taking a discount for, you know, your lack of cap management. Speaking of last night, uh, Flyers and the Boston Bruins, you couldn't find a nicer guy than Nick Foligno. Love him. But he can't finish a hockey game last night. And it's so early in the year. And you know what happened to him uh, the moment he got traded to Toronto and started battling uh, the injury bug. And then you watch him through uh, all or nothing. And uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to watch that, to be honest with you, when a guy wants something so badly mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's taken away from you. And now here he is. At three point eight million for two years, and can't finish the game, and there's a level of frustration, I'm sure, out of Boston watching it. No different than the Leafs, who gave up a first and a fourth to Was get it him. a contact injury or a non-contact? I, that's I, different to me. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we've got the clip or or what Bruce Cassidy said, Jeff. We got an we got a update from Bruce Cassidy today, so okay. we can play that clip. Yeah, let, sure. let's hear that. Uh, he's out tomorrow. Um, we get back to Boston, he'll get reevaluated. So we'll put him as day to day for now until we get an update probably by Saturday. I guess you'll see, so we'll know by Sunday. But I suspect um, he'll miss Sunday as well. But we know for sure he's out tomorrow. So, so he said he just pulled something. He says, hopefully, nothing serious, but wasn't able to return. That's never a good sign. Mm. So we'll see how he is tomorrow. But I would imagine. Uh, you ever pulled anything in your upper well, body? Uh, car- uh, there's cartilage in your ribs. There's yeah. a couple of things that you could just, yeah. I mean, I pulled groins, hammies, you know, maybe I'll leave the list there. My back reaching for the converter. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> the I, remote. I guess that's what I'm like vaguely getting at is just say his back's probably not good, right? That's what we saw here in Toronto. He's a guy who plays a certain way. Backs don't tend to repair themselves as you age. I got to be honest with you. I was, I was almost shocked that Boston went three point eight for two years on a guy that had right. the issues that he's had, and there were issues. There was health issues in Columbus. But isn't it like he plays and we get him, and we like him at three eight, and if he doesn't, we put him on LTIR, and it doesn't really hurt us anyway. It's like Kasha. It's like if he's going to get hurt, he's not uh, counting against the cap anyway. Yeah, the Boston, the Boston Bruins that I know would be a little bit ticked off at paying that money because it's yeah. still cash. Forget about True. what you can write off. And you're, when, when it comes to insurance... Does insurance actually help they're, pay they're, in that uh, case? Insurance are for the big boys. When you're talking about six, seven, eight million dollars, you're not insuring all your contracts. You're only uh, insuring a portion of them and you're really? only picking the big ones. Huh. The rest of them... like. Can you imagine the premium if you wanted to cover uh, $80 million worth of contracts? Yeah. Like, no, no, you're only, you're only going to pick a few of them. And 
I don't think Nick Foligno's contract would be insured. So that's real money. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Like, you know, even, even uh, Curtis Gabriel or, or Wayne Simmons here in Toronto. So they give, they give Wayne Simmons two years at 900. Mm-hmm. That, that, if you got to bury that in the Marlies, that's just like water off a duck's back. Yeah, they, 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 they just, pay that to guys on the Marlies. It's like they spill more than that during the weekend, <laughs> right? Yeah. But try that with Arizona where right. you sign a guy to two years for $2 million and you're not playing him. Somebody's going to somebody's office and going, why did you sign this guy? Yeah. Well, just for insurance. <laughs> Jeremy Jacobs can handle it, but I know no one likes spending $4 million. Well, there's other teams that, that would really have a hard time explaining some contracts if, if say, certain owners don't get value. Yeah. That's all. Fair enough. So, insane thing that we haven't talked about this week. Um, Evander Kane, you had a tweet uh, either this week or last week or whatever. Um, to the yeah, eff- A while ago, actually. Yeah, to the effect of a he, suspension. Was, he was going to be suspended, but then eligible to play. Uh, I heard, you know, well, we've had some conversations. Um, you don't think that Kane, well, I shouldn't put words in your mouth here. What, what comes next? Well, <laughs> there's so many people out there that would just say void the contract or just get rid of them. And it's just doesn't work that way. Okay. There's a CBA and there's labor laws and there's players rights. And this thing got negotiated to 21 games, uh, based on any other player and his rights getting suspended. What, so is, what does negotiated mean? The league and Kane's yeah, eight? In, yes, yeah. and the Players Association. Right, they say we agree that this is a reasonable Well, it, it in this instant, it made a lot of sense that you would get Kane, his agent, San Jose, of course, represented by uh, Doug Wilson, and the NHL Players Association. So they're all in a room, and they're like, what are we going to do here? And... Speaking of wasted money, $1.7 million for a guy you're yeah. not going to use. But the whole idea is to come to a conclusion that everybody is is okay with. Right. Now, we know other instances where Gary Bettman has a ruling. Uh, the player doesn't like it. The NHL Players Association doesn't like it. And then you go through uh, a grievance. Mm-hmm. And that that you didn't want to see that. That didn't help Evander. That would not have helped Evander Vander Kane. It would not have helped... Uh, San Jose wouldn't have helped the league. So they all concluded that he was going to be suspended, but he would be treated as if he was any other player being suspended, be it paid or not paid. That's again, an only seems fair, whatever the case is, whatever you decide on, but he will be eligible to come back and you cannot void a guy's contract. Oh, I'm sorry. You can based on certain language in the CBA, but like I said before, all all you would all that would happen then it would be followed by a grievance, and you'd probably lose the grievance. At the end of the day, you don't. What do you have them for? You have them for uh, presenting a uh, a document that uh, was bogus. Well, yeah, that's that's a that is a suspendable act. We believe it's just so unprecedented, which is why this whole thing's but, like but, but there's you, no. You don't get to void a contract because of it. Guess it depends how seriously you take that stuff. You know. Well, they take it very seriously. Obviously, twenty-one games is not nothing. But it's not voidable mm-hmm. because now you can start. And like, does his bankruptcy complicate this in some way? No, no, that's totally it's separate. Totally world. separate. Totally separate. The problem is, is he? There's been a lot, a lot of accusations on him, domestic. Yeah. And of course, everybody wants to equate that into the. Gambling, gambling. You know, uh, the, his situation at home with his wife. Everybody wants to throw that into the suspension or why his contract should be voided. But at the end of the day, they have nothing on that. What's there's insane? Nothing. Is... There's there's no investigation, or there was a a look into it. Yeah. But like when when his wife starts accusing him of all these things, 
and she refuses to be interviewed by the league. Is that the case? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, well she she just won't come forward, and she won't go on record uh-huh. for a proper investigation. Then what do you have? You have nothing. Mm-hmm. And she does not want to be interviewed. She doesn't want to be um, part of any further investigation. And if that's the case, then then there's there's still no an eligible player. There's nowhere to go. He's still eligible to play. Do I think he'll ever play for the San Jose Sharks ever again? Not a chance. Really? That's just my opinion. I think he's so done. And he, all, he was done before all this. Like at the start of the summer, we saw that his teammates went in the exit meetings well, and said, that, we, that, we don't want to play with but, the guy But anymore. that was after all that, all the, the they, news started coming out. Was it? Yes. He was still their top scorer. Yeah. So there, there is still some value in him being on the ice. Is He's still pretty good. You know, there's 13 players who have scored 20 goals in every season going back to 2016 or something. He's one of the 13. All the 21 days does now is buy San Jose a little time not to deal with it. That's all. But come find someone. When's he eligible to come back? Uh, December? I'm 21 games takes us about there. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. So then, then they're going to have to uh, probably pay him to stay home. Yeah, I was going to say. Who's trading for him? Like when Tony D'Angelo signed in Carolina, there was a backlash, right? Like the guy hadn't really done anything besides kind of be a jerk, you know, according to all our understanding. And it was like, how could you sign this guy? Your chemistry, the team, the things he says, the, you know, the way it reflects in the organization. Imagine trading an asset for Evander Kane or even taking Evander Kane for no assets or with assets. I just can't see any team doing it. uh, I, my experience says you're probably right, but there might be some teams desperate enough that they may do it. There's always a team that thinks they're the Patriots. Like when the Patriots would take troubled players and they have a great culture and they'd say, he'll work here because the culture is great. For sure. Someone will, will say, they'll maybe need an interview or two with him, a couple of phone calls, Oh, there's going to be a public. There's going to be a whole public. Can uh, I hear an apology? Yeah. No, try it again. Just leaked photos of him at a soup kitchen. Try to be a little sadder. Work on your sadness. Work on your sincerity. But if the allegations against him are true, he he can still score. He can't play anywhere. He can he can still score. He's fairly tough. Uh, Can can someone say we can rehabilitate his image? Can I sell this if? If there's an apology and there's growth and there's a sense of maturity and that he's changed, like I, I would never say never, not not in this game. And I, I I was in Washington and we heard all the stories about John Cordick, and yet here's David Poyle, one of one of the straightest you know straight arrow guy you'll ever find as a general manager. We we're getting the crap beat out of us. He was so desperate to bring in more muscle. We're getting pummeled by the Flyers that he could just push the the noise aside. He brought us. He brought Cordick into our room. John gave us the "I'm here to play hockey." Yeah, I'm not. It's all about being here, helping you guys win. I've learned. I'll continue to do this off ice. I'm getting better. I just need another chance. And we're like, oh, John, of course, we're here for you. You know, and it's like, because we thought he could help us win. Yeah. We thought he could help us beat the Flyers. And yet, um, we know how that sad story ended up that, uh, you know, he, he could not, he couldn't rehabilitate himself and we couldn't help him. And it ended up very sad for John. But, my point is, is that we were desperate enough yeah, to give it a try. Will, teams will do that. Looking at Kane's contract, like he's seven million for three more years. I get, I bet it's got to be a year thing where he doesn't play hockey this year. He, you know, hires a crisis management firm and he does uh, therapy and uh, you know expresses how he's grown. And listen, I sound cynical when I'm saying it. Maybe he will do those things and he will grow. And, you know, become eligible. I just can't see it happening this season where any team wants to take that on. But 
you're right. At the end of the day, it's it's a business of winning. And as much as the Leafs at the start of the show were about people and developing people, there are still teams who recognize the priority is winning, and they will eventually find a way if this yeah. guy can help him help them for the last two years of that deal. There may be a team. Would you be willing to uh, need a year, like you said, or if someone offered you him at three million or two and a half, while San Jose ate the rest of it, would you take that contract right now? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Sammy, how about you? I, you know, I think if this was the first instance of something popping up with this guy, I think he's had his second and third and fourth chance. You know. I just don't see any le- team in the league that yeah. is, you know, is he going to go play on a crappy team? Like, you know, is Detroit going to take a chance or the Sens or something? I just don't see the fit Desperate anywhere. enough. But who's desperate enough? I, I don't know. I feel like he may be in Magnetogorst I don't know. before I mean, the end of the year. <laughs> you if, know what? That's if, not a bad if, suggestion. If I'm just throwing out, like you, you said, who could be desperate this year? Could Calgary needs to make the playoffs. If they're short of goals... Yeah. Would they be desperate enough? I, I mean, I'm just saying that there are some teams that they're they're supposed to make the playoffs this year. That may be a better point with, you know, as opposed to a team that's really bad, a team that's supposed to be good and is being bad, and they're like, we need to take any chance we can do, like a, like a team that's on the bubble, like you said, with a Calgary or, you know, a, a St. Louis Blues or somebody else that comes to mind that may be on the bubble, but... Right. I don't know. I just have a tough time seeing it work anywhere after. I, like what what evidence has there been throughout this guy's career that it's going to work anywhere? I just I don't I haven't seen it. But he 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 can score. Can he ever? And there's a point though where did he not lead the team in scoring last year? Who cares though, Kipper? Who cares? Teams don't want to win. No one wants teams to play with them. Win. No one wants him in the room. No, I don't. Uh, I I I despise that dude. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. The, the ones that don't want him right now are his own teammates. But there's a, there's other teams that just... Do the what you were talking about just, and say, well... It's just, can you help me win? Right. I don't have to go to dinner with you. I don't have to go out for drinks after. I don't have to get to know you. All I know is, can you help me win? And yeah. if, he, if the answer is yes, then it makes it a cloudy it's- decision. It's actually, it loops us this whole thing going back to the start of our show where, you know, the quotes that you're reading from Greg Moore about, you know, being the, our priority is learning these guys how to be good people to each other, good people to, you know, people outside the organization. And this is where the, the reality lies and the truth gets exposed is how much do you believe that sort of stuff? All, the Leafs will never do it. They, you know, we saw what happened with Dusty Amu. They signed the, you know, hired this goalie coach who's spouting, you know, QAnon theories on his Twitter feed or at least liking them. And they they said, okay, well, we can't represent that. There are some organizations who just won't do it, but you're right. There will be some truth exposed if anyone is willing to play the rehab team for them. And uh, in the, on the subjects of the Buffalo Sabres getting off to good start. San Jose doesn't look that bad. The Leafs got yep. them tomorrow. Uh, they're in uh, Eric Carlson's in Ottawa tonight. So the Leafs are hoping that uh, they get them a little tired for their 6 o'clock puck drop. Yeah. But they're 2-0. and oh, and They look good against be, Montreal. Be, they look fast. They did. So here's a, I, I got some fancy stats on the San Jose Sharks coming to Toronto here, kind of prep everyone for the, the weekend of hockey here. The, uh, the Sharks are extremely good defensively. The Leafs are like the best offense in the league so far, obviously not in terms of scoring goals, but um, the Sharks have been awesome on D. Like number one in shots on net against and slot shots and inner slot, you know, all these things. That decor is... They have names, right, between Burns and Carlson and Vlasic. Like, they have guys that if they can have decent years, we know they're talented. It wouldn't stun me if the Sharks, of all these teams that were supposed to be bad who have started well, the Sharks would not surprise me if they were a tease playoff team, you know, with a, a little improved you know, locker room, too. They, they've they've got a lot of money in that salary, in that payroll. Yeah. And they much. do have good players. Um, they are going to always be led with the – the huge minutes of Carlson and uh, Burns. Four points in two games for Carlson. But Timo Meyer, Couture. Uh, 
Hurdle. You know, a lot of people think maybe Hurdle might be a guy on the move at some point. What but if San Jose is good? If if they're good and they're solid and they're at least competing. You know what the Sharks haven't done well is they're dead last in the league in ozone possession time, which is good because we talked about guys like Rasmus Sandin and Lilligren and not defending well below the, the dots. So Leafs, Leafs should have some advantage there at least. They, they can defend against this team. I, guys, I just had a quick thought here. Yeah. And it was from a texter, uh, Rich and Ajax. He said that the Habs will take anyone. Just so to go back to Evander Kane, you're looking for some scoring. They've got three goals in four games. Maybe they're looking at Evander Kane. You like that thought there, Kipper Borny? Could you imagine? Uh, oh, my Berge, Lord. Berge, that is the fire around Bergevin. No, the... no. Kane, Kane ain't sa- No, there's no one saving the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> this year. That would uh, hasten Bergevin's uh, flight to Los Angeles, would it not? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> a move like that. <laughs> You're like, why don't Kane... Did you ask him if he helps them make the playoffs is all forgiven for, on Evander Kane? Yeah. Because mm. that, uh, Justin tells me no, and I say, winning fixes a lot of things. Not going to help the culture these days, Skipper. Not going to help. Well, we'll see. Tomorrow night, whether or not the early start, the 6 o'clock p.m. start, really screws up. San Jose Sharks. Yeah, lots of rest lose, in Pittsburgh. They lose an hour. The Leafs gain the hour going to Pittsburgh. It's all good. We're going to get hockey tomorrow night back. Your Toronto Maple Leafs and the San Jose Sharks. And we're back tomorrow. JB, Sammy, Derek. Great job today, guys. Our thanks to Craig Reve. Does a great job now on After the Whistle podcast with Andrew Peters and Ryan Callahan, former... NHLer, New York Ranger, ESPN analyst. Great job, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you tomorrow on Real Kipper and Bourne.